The following interview originally aired on KPOV 88.9 FM, High Desert Community Radio in Central Oregon. The interview was conducted on the Wednesday edition of The Point, a local affairs show that airs Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. on 88.9 FM and kpov.org. Welcome back. Our guest this morning is Eric Tobiasen, president of the Bend Homes Found- Bend Heroes Foundation. Excuse me. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of The Point, Eric, and thank you for your time this morning and for all you do. Well, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Let's start out with a bit about you. Give us a little insight about your background and how you became involved with this project. Well, I was raised by a veteran. My father, Dick Tobiasen, uh, served in Vietnam, two tours, uh, Purple Heart, and um, you know, we we uh, we always have been uh, kind of a service-oriented family, working in the community. I was a Evil Scout and Rotarian and and whatnot. And so, um, when I moved to Bend twelve years ago, my dad was working on the um, the memorial down on uh, Brooks Park by the river, Ben Heroes Memorial. And at that point, I suggested we start a nonprofit and and do more than that project. Once that was complete, we had some other ideas of what we could do for our veterans. The Heroes Foundation actually started out in 2010, right? Indeed. Okay, and you had projects like the Honor Flight. Uh, talk just a little bit about that. Well, yeah, that that was extraordinarily um, well profound. Maybe too many superlatives, but it, it's hard to explain the words. You know, we're, we're taking the greatest generation back to Washington D.C. World War II heroes to say thank you and and show them the memorial that was built built for them. It was built pretty late in their lives, and they didn't really get a chance to, to see it. Um, a lot were too old to travel, they thought. And, and so we put the program together based on a national model and, and took about 550 World War II veterans from Central Oregon back to uh, Washington, D.C. on, I think it was 13 or 15 trips over a five- or six-year period. Really, really extraordinary. Um, great. I mean, of course, the greatest generation, just great people to work with, the stories, you know, their gratitude. It was it was really a moving moving project. So, how did the foundation pivot from those projects into helping homeless vets? It's it's a great question. So, you know, after about five or six years of that, you know, we ran out of uh, veterans to take back to DC. They'd all pretty much taken everyone we could find east of the Cascades, and we were trying to figure out what we're going to do next. And and we had some ideas. Um, you know, we'd mobilized a pretty good sized crew you know, for Honor Flight, and we thought, well, what can we do with these folks and this, this skill set? And ultimately, we came across um, a couple of projects, one in Kansas City and one in Clackamas County, Oregon, um, you know, that had built these villages of tiny homes for homeless veterans to provide services and get them back on their feet. And so what is the need in Central Oregon? Are, are there that many homeless veterans in Central Oregon looking for a place to live? There are. Um the point in time count uh, indicates that there's about, let's say, 75. Uh, it varies year to year, but um, 75 homeless veterans right now um, in the camps, in the woods, you know, on the streets. And, you know, that tends to undercount, you know, the actual need because some folks aren't interested in being counted. And, and so, you know, we think the number is around 100. Wow. That is a pretty, that's a pretty large, and this particular project that you're working on, it's going to have 15 tiny homes. Is that correct? Indeed. Yeah. So we based this um, principally on Clackamas and they started with 15 and the size of their homeless population was more or less uh, the same as ours. So we felt like, you know, that model was working. They had transitioned 
couple dozen homeless veterans into permanent housing. You know, so the project was working very well. And we said, well, let's, you know, 15 sounds like a good number to start with. So let, let's go with that. Whereabouts is the village located? Yeah, it's on the public safety campus up uh, and you know, on the county property um, inside the, the city limits um, where 97 and 20 come together. We have the sheriff's office out there and, um, you know, the behavioral health uh, and several, several other uh, county, county offices. So, yeah, it's out there. When we say tiny homes, how tiny are they? Well, yeah, they're technically not even really homes. It's, it's kind of the bare minimum we felt to, uh, to provide shelter heat, a toilet and a sink and a table and, and a closet. So um, it fits those ne- those needs. They're 12 by 12, so 150 square feet. Um, like I said, kind of the bare minimum, but we have a community building with a kitchen, dining, laundry, shower, and, and um, you know, let's say living room area where they can gather together and have um, a sense of community. So what else is going to be involved in that community center besides a, a kitchen and a place for them to gather? Are there other services going to be available to help them transition from the situation they're in out into something more permanent? Absolutely. In fact, that's the, really the key ingredient here is you know, providing shelter is a major improvement. But without um, on-site case management, you know, we, we don't find you know, that, that the veterans are transitioned successfully into permanent housing without the case management. And so we'll have um, four case management offices in the community building, a couple of case managers working on site, you know, full time, working with each veteran, you know, to to develop a program to identify the barriers to housing that they have, and then, you know, systematically, you know, resolve those barriers and then transition to permanent housing. And who's providing that counseling? Great question. So our key partner is Central Oregon Veterans Outreach. You know, we couldn't do it without them. Bend Heroes, let's say, you know, we're the construction team. You know, we're building the, the community. Uh, but Covo will operate it. And, um, you know, that's what they're successful at. You know, they're the best in our region in terms of working with the homeless veterans, providing for the services, providing those wraparound services and, and getting veterans into permanent housing. It's, it's something they already do very, very great job at. What's your vision of how long an individual might stay in one of these shelters? You know, it's, it's different for everyone, but the range is, let's say, six months, probably the minimum stay, and then 24 months is the longer term. It, it usually, you know, most, most issues can be resolved inside of two years. Gotcha. And will there be, will there be some sort of job training for, for people that are unemployed? Yeah, yeah, there'll be job placement. Um, so we have, you know, the key thing here is the partnership. So Covo is the main partner, but Covo works with, you know, several other key partners. You know, Neighbor Impact would be a key one. Um, you know, the county county health services, um, the VA, the veteran service officers, and and so <clears throat> there are several organizations in town that provide job training. You know, job placement. And we'll be working with those those folks on an ongoing basis, you know, to the to, to, to those veterans that that are looking for jobs and and, and require uh, employment. So the village is actually very close to the sheriff's office. Have they provided any help to you at all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> the county, you know, in a broader perspective, has provided um, the land, of course, you know, um, a ten year lease at no cost to the project. Uh, and you know, without the land, we couldn't do anything. Um, and, and so that's been huge. 
and then financial support in, in the form of um, $150,000 to um, the construction side and then ongoing $100,000 annually for the service um, and operation of the program. Uh, and that really is in an extraordinary commitment and, and we're, we're absolutely grateful for that. This is an interesting project in that it's a collaboration of volunteers, staff, local officials, state legislature. What role did the Deschutes County Commission play? Well, they were really pivotal. Um, we, we began working with, with Commissioner Henderson, um, you know, who really became the champion of the project and, and um, you know, helped us identify you know, what county property could be feasible and, and then ultimately uh, you know, building out the program, the design of, of the village, you know, the, all the commissioners went over to Clackamas County and saw for themselves how successful that project was. And, and so, that you know, it's been a real, you know, roll up your sleeves, work together um, aspect with the county. And then, you know, transitioning over to the city, the same idea, you know, this is a city um, inside the UGB and so city zoning. And, and we've had to have um, a lot of uh, involvement with the development department um, the building department, you know, the economic development department. And so really, um, you know, all, you know, both municipalities, you know, really got, got to the, t- came to the table quickly, rolled up their sleeves and figured out how we're going to make this, make this thing a, a reality. Talk to us about the waiving of the system development charges. Right. So most people probably know that any, anytime there's new development in the city of Bend, there are um, system development charges the uh, developer is is billed for you know basically developing lo- the the local infrastructure surrounding the project or j- basically in the in the city in general, and so the city of Bend has SDCs for each project as does Parks and Recreation, and um, both entities waived our SDCs, which um, was a fantastic um, outcome for us because they're relatively expensive costs and and something that would have would have required the fundraising to continue on and, and push the project out a little bit, uh, maybe six months. So with the waiving of that, you know, we can proceed with construction. So like any project, there's been a few bumps along the way. Talk to us a little bit about House Bill 4212. Yeah, so 4212, you know, thanks to Sherry Helt, um, that, that, that was a fantastic outcome from us, for us. It's, it's of course, a state bill. Um, Representative um, Tina Kotek uh, put that together. And it basically is a shelter supersiding bill, which which ultimately waives most of the development code and zoning um, hurdles um, for a project like ours. Um, there's a lot of red tape, you know, necessary red tape in, in putting together any sort of development. And, and the zoning and development code are, are critically important to, let's say, a, um, a harmonious you know development within the community. Uh, but you know that red tape. And those requirements do um, tend to constrain the development of something like what we're doing, uh, you know, tiny homes, uh, you know, temporary tiny homes. And, and so uh, 4212, you know, waived those um, obligations, so to speak. And, you know, we still have to comply with the building code, which is important, right? You need safe, healthy, you know, buildings. And, and so, uh, you know, that's been a great opportunity working with the city of Bend on, on that side of things. Um, but it's been expeditious at the same time. And, and so 4212 probably made this project um, a reality, you know, versus two years of trying to modify the development code in the city of Bend to get something like this permitted. So ground was broken for the project in January of this year, right? Yes, ma'am. 
where are you in the in the construction phase right now? Well, we're getting uh, real close to um, building uh, our first shelters. You know, the tiny homes that we speak of. Um, we've we've got about six slated to go in in the next couple of weeks. Our utilities are going in now, um, so we're putting the trenches in. Um, we've graded the site. We've fenced the site. Um, so a lot of the the basic infrastructure um, is is wrapping up, um, either done or wrapping up in the next uh, ten days, and then we'll we'll put the shelters together and get those plumbed in and we should be operational, you know, not too distant future. So speaking of the construction of the shelters, your process is pretty interesting. Tell us about that. Well, yeah, um, this, my sister nonprofit, we build homes in Mexico and we do it with volunteers a lot from the city of Ben travel down with us to do it. And, and, you know, generally it's families that are helping us out. And, and what we really found with that program is the, the youth, the children, you know, doing the building, they gain skills and, you know, a sense of accomplishment and, you know, participating in doing something good for, you know, their fellow humans. Uh, and and um, so with this project, we thought, well, how can we, how can we embody that same experience? And, and uh, you know, one of our board members and, and another one of our, of our key team, team members, you know, are, are from J-Bar-J and we thought, well, that would be great if we could get the youth at JRJ involved, you know, they have a vocational program and they're working on you know, construction skills. You know, here's a perfect opportunity. Um, you know, we need these things built. Then, you know, you and I could go out and build them ourselves. The Rot- Rotary clubs would be happy to do it. And, and that's great. But I think it's even better. It's a real win-win if we can get, you know, the youth of our community to participate in giving back, helping, you know, those who helped us, who, who volunteered their, their service, made sacrifices, you know, our veterans. And so I just think it's it's uh, it's been phenomenal to have J Bar J participate, and the Heart of Oregon is also helping us, you know, build the units. And and so um, yeah, it's it's really exciting. That's that's a real fun part of the project. And you're actually constructing the units off site, correct? Well, yeah. I mean, because of the weather and you know the site being torn up, you know, for the infrastructure, we felt like you know we could stage some of the shelters out at J Bar J. You know, kind of do a dry run prototyping, you know, so they could get the experience. We'd build a kit as a model and then they would be able to you know, refer back to that model home, so to speak. And, and um, you know, then mass produce the, the walls and the flooring and the, and the roofs um, there and then, you know, put them on a flatbed, you know, as, as the wall separate. We're not going to bolt them together out there, but we'll, we'll be moving the the walls and floors and roofs, you know, separately kind of stacked on a flatbed out to the site and then assembling them on site. So what's your target date for the first veteran to move in? Well, you know, that's where our, our partner Covo, you know, really has the, uh, let's say, the, the, a better feeling for that date. You know, as I said, there's, you know, many, many homeless veterans that, that need this support. Um, so as soon as possible has is, is always been our operating you know, date, we're trying to do everything as fast uh, and intelligently at the same time as we can. Uh, and, and so, you know, maybe May 1st is, is, is an opportunity. Um, you know, certainly in June, we feel like we'll have our grand opening because our community building is under construction right now, and that won't be delivered until the end of April. But we will have the shelters built, and we can, we will build a couple of extra structures for the on-site case management so that that is possibly available, you know, as soon as May 1st. Are there any volunteer opportunities out there? 
Well, there are a lot. Um, and, you know, that's the beauty of this community. You know, everyone wants to help. It's just been such an outpouring of support, you know, both financial support and willingness to roll up the sleeves, you know, at the municipal level, at the citizen level, you know, at the nonprofit level. Uh, so we do have um, a lot of opportunities with COVID. You know, we have to be careful that we, you know, don't, you know, create a, you know, a negative um, event. And, and so, um, we're trying to be, let's say, constrained and controlled on the construction side. You know, another reason to be building them out at J-Bar-J. You know, they've already got their COVID protocols there. So I think, you know, maybe in May when we're doing the landscaping uh, and, and those kinds of um, um, improvements to the, to the project, there'll be more volunteers uh, opportunities there. And people we're- can sign up at our website if they're interested. It's... Um, Central Oregon Veterans Village dot org org. So that's all one word, no spaces. Central Oregon Veterans Village dot org. And you must have read my script because that was my next question <laughs> to wrap up. Is where can people go for more information? Well, yep. it's it's a heck of a project, and you are you are doing a great job. And we just lost Mary Ann. She is having wind issues down in Southern California. So again, we are we have run out of time, and that's about it for the Wednesday point. And thank you, Eric, for all you do, and thank you for speaking with us today. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, please visit kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org dot o-r-g